Hello and welcome to another Be Your Own Loud podcast. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Today, we have another first, a poet laureate, the poet laureate of Alabama, Ashley M. Jones. She's going to talk about her work, her process, and most importantly, how she has empowered herself and empowers others to truly be themselves and rise above the noise so they can be their own loud. Ashley, welcome to the show. Be Your Own Loud. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. What is a poet laureate, man? You got to break this down for me (laughs) because like I've heard of national poet laureates, but I didn't know states did that. Tell us about the process and and why Mm -hmm. this is something that you strove towards. Yeah. A lot of people actually don't know what a poet laureate does. Maybe that speaks to the place of poetry in our society, which is maybe a different conversation entirely. But there can be poets laureate of all levels of society. Obviously, the national laureate, the state laureates, and some states have regional laureates or city laureates or county laureates as well. So as the Alabama State Poet Laureate, my job is to be the ambassador for poetry for our state within the state and outside of the state. So that means that within the state, I'll create workshops or do readings, talks create spaces for people to enjoy poetry or to be introduced to poetry. And then outside of the state, I sort of represent the poetic body of Alabama. I'm the person that people can talk to to ask about what we do in our state. I am maybe for some people, the first Alabama they've ever met before. I represent us in that way as well. So you represent the state of Alabama, but you also had to have done something to be recognized at this level of poetry accolades. Talk about that, please. I have had quite a long journey with writing, even though I am just 31 and I'm the youngest poet laureate of my state. I have been writing since, thank you, I've been writing since I was seven years old. Oh, And it all happened because I had an assignment to recite something in class. That thing that I chose was a poem called Harriet Tubman by Eloise Greenfield. And I remember when I recited this poem at the age of seven, I felt this incredible energy and power that I had never felt before. I felt confidence. I felt very black, which is something that I wanted to feel. So I kept writing from that point on. I studied writing professionally. I put air quotes because I was 12 and who's a special at 12, (laughs) you know, but I started studying at the age of 12 at the Alabama Alabama School of Fine Arts, where I now teach. So I've been doing writing for a long time. I've published three books. I work in the community and I got my name out there. I've been touring across the country. So all of that is necessary for people to know who you are in the first place to nominate you to be Poet Laureate. And I was very fortunate that a lot of people um, did that for me last year. Okay, there's a lot there that I need to take a step back. So, okay. so 12, so when did you feel that you found your voice and how has your voice evolved from that epiphany when that happened? It's kind of gone back and forth. So when I started at seven, the poem that I just described to you is, I would describe it as a social justice poem, talking about Harriet Tubman, freeing the slaves and fighting for freedom. So when I first started writing, I was engaging with issues of race and issues of culture and politics and all of that. That was my safe ground that was most authentic to me. When I started my formal education in writing, that's sort of when I unlearned that love for for telling the truth. And it's where I unlearned my authentic 
ness. Like I tried to sound like everybody else in a workshop space. You don't want people to keep saying, I don't get this. What is this about? Or laughing at your work. I've definitely had that happen before when I've written about black history as a young person, I had some peers just not understand it. So I went away from that and I returned to that authenticity when I got older, when I went to graduate school and was far away from home and sort of needed to write myself back home. And that meant writing as myself. So as a black person who cares about politics. There's a level of vulnerability that I have heard because my best friend happens to be a poet and him Mm -hmm. and I talk about this often, that there is a a level of, of transparency and vulnerability that you need to have. And there's, and he has referred to it as having thick skin because at Mm -hmm. readings or presenting your stuff, I mean, you're really putting yourself out there. How do you do that, Ashley? And like, (laughs) because there are times where you're taking it on the chin and there are people who are I've seen like really seriously uncool stuff happen at, mm-hmm. at these things. How do you maintain your Ashleyness when you are faced with that sort of resistance or people not understanding what you're talking about? I mean, it definitely comes with time. I, as a young person, my skin was not thick in any stretch of the word. So it really has taken years of doing the work, writing the poetry, and really starting to understand that my voice does have purpose and value. A lot of the thin skin just comes from wanting someone to say, I accept what you're saying. What you're saying is right. Wanting that validation from the outside. But once I started understanding that I could validate myself, that I could look at some of my poetry for mothers and fathers and see them being authentic and understanding how that impacted me, that makes me feel more um, confident to be as vulnerable as possible and to not really worry about what the negative reactions might be because the positive reactions are those that I'm trying to write for. Those are the people who I'm trying to reach. The foundation of this show is to bring people like you on who have uh, given themselves permission to unapologetically be themselves. Uh And it's an evolution, as you just said, from where you were at seven to 12 to where you are now, not only as the poet laureate, but a professor, a person who's published three books. There is such a, a confidence in the vulnerability. I have to touch on that because you wouldn't think that those two words would be so powerful together. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I really think... Vulnerability is our greatest tool in reaching other people. We are all vulnerable. I mean, it's impossible not to be as a human being. There are so many things that we go through in life that impact us and give us an emotional reaction. For me, art is what helps me feel less alone in that vulnerability. Reading poems about Black women being proud of themselves as Black women or reading poems about Southerners celebrating the South, that helps me to feel Like, oh, there's others who are going through this thing and they made it. I can also make it. If artists aren't vulnerable, the art is really not quite doing what it's supposed to do. It's not making us, you know, feel in the way we're supposed to. We talk a lot about process in order for preparation to put on a great show, because that's what we do, right? This is a show. And so I want to make sure that I'm bringing my A game to you so that you have a good experience. And so do our listeners and our viewers. Talk about your process. Where, where do you even begin when, because Ashley, man, a blank piece of paper is a scary thing. It is. It really is. I definitely have, I think, an unusual process 
a lot of times when you're going through um, writing school, the teachers will tell you, you have to write every single day. That's the only way you can be a good writer is to do it every single day. And I really think it's different for everyone. Everyone has their own process that works for them. So for me, it is not writing every day. I cannot do it. Not because I don't like writing, but because sometimes I just really don't feel like it or I have nothing to say. And I gave myself permission to not have to do it every day. Now I am thinking about writing and thinking about lines of poetry. And if I see something, maybe a, a line will come into my head. That's happening every day all the time, but I'm not forcing myself to produce something every single day. So when that thing happens, whatever it is, if I read something in the news or something happens to me in the world, or I watch a TV show and it makes a poem appear in my mind, I always say, I see like the shape of the poem in my head. Mm. When that happens, I go to the page. But any other time, I'm not forcing myself to the page at all. Some poets who I have met have like their preferred, like a journal almost. And it's even gotten down to the kind of paper and pen, which I think is so brilliant because you, of course, artists, uh, painters have their own medium that they love. Mm -hmm. Musicians have that guitar or that piano or whatever that they love. And poets have the same sort of thing. Do you have that? I mean, do you have like, I love this pen and this kind of paper, or do you not even use pen and paper? Are you a computer and a keyboard person? Expand on that, please. I use whatever I have nearby. Usually I have paper. I'm a teacher. So, you know, we always have something on us (laughs) to jot things down. But sometimes you get a poem idea in the car, for example, and there's no way. I mean, you could try, but you might kill somebody trying to write something down. (laughs) I've started using Siri to dictate to. And then when I get to my stopping point, I immediately grab my phone and try to write down everything that I've thought of. Or if there's like a napkin somewhere, sometimes I've written things on a napkin at a restaurant or wherever I am or during school hours while my students are working and I'm grading. I will hastily type out a poem on my computer. So just wherever I am, that's where I write. So you have something written down. The muse hits you and all of a mm-hmm. sudden you, you feverishly write things down. Mm-hmm. Then what happens? Once I've written the thing down, I'm sort of editing as I go, which I, I don't actually recommend this method to my students because the only reason I'm able to do this is because I've been practicing writing for so long. I've yeah. kind of figured out what works for me as I'm writing. I'm figuring out what I want it to look like. I'll change words. After it's all written, I usually read it out loud because that's the only way for me to really hear what it is that has been written. And then I'll make adjustments, share it with readers, whether it's in my family. My mom and my sisters always help with my poems or with some poet friends. I'll share it there and get some feedback. And then I try to leave it alone. I don't want to revise for months and months and months. That's just not my process. I try to get in there, get out, and let it breathe. When you, how do you feel about reading other people's poetry out loud? This is something that I don't, I have personally struggled with when people will ask me to read things because Uh of voice and blah, blah, blah. Um, you started off reading the poet poem at seven about Harriet Tubman. Mm-hmm. How often do you find yourself today? Because you're a teacher, you're a professor. I'm assuming you're reading a lot of other people's stuff. How do you do that? How do you insert yourself into somebody's psyche to that level to do their poems justice? You're right. I am reading a lot of people's work all the time. 
obviously all my students drafts. I'm always deep in those, which I, I'm starting to count that, count that as things that I'm reading. People ask me, what are you reading right now? I'm always thinking of which published books I'm reading, sure. but I am still reading real people's work if mm. they're students. I try to tell the students to understand that they are real writers already, even if they're not T.S. Eliot or whatever, mm-hmm. they are real. So yes, I'm always reading their work. I'm also reading work that I teach. I try to read for fun, but what is fun? <laughs> Who knows? But to get into their mindset, it's it's really a matter for me of the writing being vulnerable enough or open enough for me to just seamlessly fit into it. So oh. with my students, often it is that way. They are so young. I teach high school, high school undergrad and grad school. So with my high schoolers especially, it's so raw. It's not hard to just get right in there. The emotions are right at the surface. And with uh, work by published authors, I am someone who, if the book is not speaking to me, I close the book and put it away. Like I've never been afraid to just say, this isn't working for me. I'm going to find another book, which may be blasphemous to (laughs) other people, but our lives are short. Why would I stay reading a book that's not working for me? I can't tell you how many times you and I are kindred spirits there, Ashley, because people will be like, oh my gosh, you have to read this book and I will, I'll give it the try. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really, really will. And I'm like, ah, I just, this isn't in re-. And they're like, well, how, you know, okay. So <laughs> as a person who is not shying away from real issues, talk about that. Well, it's interesting, first of all, to be known for anything um, that's, exciting and scary at the same time. Mm -hmm. I definitely have built my career so far writing books that talk about things that matter to me. I'm a black person living in the South. So you can imagine living in America, let's just say, it's not just about the South. Um, There's a lot that goes on that I have to process constantly. There's a lot that's been passed down to me from my ancestors that I'm processing. I was never enslaved. However, that history is something that I deal with on a daily basis. So the writing, which is an extension of me, of course, it's going to go into those things. And I've been really fortunate that people have received it well. Whenever I travel to give readings, yes, sometimes it is uncomfortable, the things that I'm talking about. But usually after a reading, people will come up and say, okay, that was hard, but thank you for saying this. It's made me start thinking about X thing. It's made me change my opinion on whatever. I'm glad if that's what I'm here to do, I'm happy to do it. And this new book, Reparations Now, let's talk about that. So what is it about? Where did it come from? How long did it take you to do it? Give me everything. Typically, my books take me about three years to write. And I I guess I should say I'm weirdly on a schedule. I'm not trying to be on a schedule. It just is happening. I've had, I think, a book every two years for the last six years, which again, who knows how that's happening. It's not me. Something is channeling through me, clearly. Mm -hmm. But this latest book, Reparations Now, is about reparations of all kinds, including political reparations, which in specific talks about oppressed people, in my case, Black people, what is owed to us um, by the government, but also by the society that we live in based on what has been done. And a lot of people do assume that reparations is a simple check from the government. Not at all. And that's not even the beginning of it. That's barely the tip of the iceberg of the things that we need to do as a society to really start repairing, because that is the root word of reparations, repairing what has been wounded within our, our society. But it also talks about personal reparations. So not just 
the political kind, but within our lives, there are a lot of things that happen to us and we feel like something has been taken from us, whether it's our time, our care, our trust, what have you. So there are several poems in the book that talk about those things that I, I'm trying to get back and heal myself from. And it's in various forms. You can find whatever you like in poetry. If you like traditional form, there's something for you. If you like non-traditional form, there's something for you. If you like prose poems, there's something for you. So yeah, it's, it's an exciting book. And we'll make sure that we have links to to purchase the book in, in the show notes. I've never asked anybody to do this, and and I don't think we prepared for this, so you can tell me no. But okay. do you have anything that you'd like to read from sure. your book? Oh, that would be wonderful. Yeah, I will definitely read something. Let's just go with what I call my greatest hit. I feel like since I wrote this poem, like I'm always reading it everywhere. In fact, I just was able to read it on Good Morning America, which I did not expect to Yay! be able to do. <laughs> wow, you. congratulations. Thank you. Um, a very wild and strange and exciting experience. But this poem that I'm going to read talks about this idea that I've encountered in my travels across the country. People think that racism only exists in the South. People have said to me when I, <laughs> exactly, I see the face of <laughs> <me. laughs> People have said, like, if they didn't know where I came from, because I don't really have a Southern accent, they'll ask, oh, so where are you from? And I say Alabama. And people have literally said to me, oh, my gosh, are you all right? Is it okay? Yes. People have said this to me. And I'm just like, well, if you're all right, I'm all right, because we live in the same country. (laughs) Like, there's nowhere in this country I can go and not be a Black person. So this poem is about that idea. And also, it's sort of a joke. The title you'll hear in a second. Everywhere I go everyone I meet, they have some connection to Alabama. I'm convinced that this is where everyone is from. Do you, I'll ask you, do you have a connection to Alabama at all? Anybody in your life who's from there or lived there? Closest I got is Georgia. Sorry. I actually don't have a connection to it, but well, you do now, now that you said that, I do now. Yay! <laughs> I do. Absolutely. <laughs> the poem is called All Y'all Really From Alabama. And it begins with an epigraph from Dr. King. All y'all really from Alabama. The straitjackets of race prejudice and discrimination do not wear only Southern labels. The subtle psychological technique of the North has approached in its ugliness and victimization of the Negro, the outright terror and open brutality of the South. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., why we can't wait. This here, the cradle of this here nation. Everywhere you look, roots run right back south. Every vein filled with red dirt, blood, cotton. We the dirty words you spit out your mouth. Mason Dixon is an imagined line. You can theorize it or wish it real, but it's the same old ghost, see-through, benign. All y'all from Alabama, we the wheel turning cotton to make the nation move. We the scapegoat in a land built from death. No longitude or latitude disproves the truth of founding father's sacred oath. We hold these truths like dark snuff in our jaw. Black oppressions, not happenstance, it's law. That's the poem. How do you do that, man? How do you (laughs) just, 
organize words like that to make it so impactful? Where does that come from? Well, um, that's a question I've been asking myself for a very long time. It's, it really is a spiritual experience for me to write poetry. I truly believe that we are all given a talent, something that we can do well to help the world become a better place. I believe writing was what I was given. So whenever I write, I always say I'm listening to the spirit that gave me the talent. You can call the spirit whatever you would like. You can call it God. You can call it the universe. You can call it whatever makes sense to you. But that spirit is the thing that's helping me to be very, very quiet and hear exactly what it is that needs to be said. So that's the only way, you know, that that can happen. I mean, obviously, I went to school for millions of years also, but. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I love love the quiet. And, And I think so many of us are terrified of the quiet because we either don't want to be alone with our own thoughts mm-hmm. uh, because we're going to have to realize or uh, come to terms with or deal with things that we don't want to deal with. But but in the silence is where that beauty happens. And that silence is where we can learn. And in that silence is where we can wrestle with the things quietly in ourselves to make it so that we hopefully will be able to be the best whatever we can be. Now, uh, to, to wrap up today's show, I have two more questions for you. The, the oh. first one is, you tour this all over the country. Why do you think that poetry is where it is today and that people are showing up and they want to hear this and they want to feel that connection? Well, I think all of us are very tired of having empty conversations. I think the pandemic, yeah, I think the pandemic definitely highlighted that, at least for me and a lot of my friends, we've been talking about how we used to, before having to quarantine and having to isolate, we would just show up and talk, but there was nothing there. And so now that we are forced to either only see each other through a screen or see each other in passing or what have you, now the conversations have to be more real. And of course, after 2020 and George Floyd's murder, there's a lot more attention being brought to the urgency of these conversations. Obviously, many of us have known for centuries that this has been happening. It's not new. It's not like someone decided, oh, now we're going to start oppressing Black people. It's been happening. But now that there's a larger attention span to it, people are, I think, more ready to talk about these things. And art is a really great way to do that because it, it's sort of a, a level playing field. We can all come in to a poem. We can all walk up and look at a piece of art. We can all listen to a piece of music or whatever, you know, whatever we have access to. And sometimes that takes our defenses down. If I were to walk up to someone and just say, you might want to interrogate your ancestry because who knows what your ancestors did. That could become a, com- a confrontation very sure. quickly. But if I come and say, here is what I have experienced, here is the feeling that I've had or the history that exists within me, and here is an artful way that I have presented it to you, you might be a little more softened to the idea because maybe you're a lover of words. Maybe you really like the way that this word rhymes with the next. Maybe you've never learned this particular history and you're excited about it. So I think that's kind of where it's it's coming from, this energy around poetry. Boy, that energy is... In some places, on the surface, in other places, it's so loud, and in other places, it's too quiet. And, and so, I greatly appreciate uh, you you coming 
all over uh, the United States and in talking about your experience in life and in the magnificent poetry that you create. Now, my final question is, what should I have asked you that I didn't? Oh, I always hate this question when people ask me because I never know. (laughs) I don't know what anybody would want to know about me. Gosh, I don't know. You've asked good questions. I think I've talked about everything that really matters. I mean, you could ask me about fashion or about my family. These are things that I'm interested in. Um, But, you know, other than that, we've talked about poems and that's, that's the thing. Well, I kind of like the idea of knowing you as more than just the poet. What is it about fashion that appeals to you? Well, um, so anyone who follows me on social media knows that I'm no stranger to an outfit of the day post. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I wish that I had the time to do a fashion blog, honestly. Wish that I did, but I don't. I'm already doing too many things at once. But for me, fashion is not just a superficial sort of thing. I used getting dressed and taking pride in my appearance as a way to get rid of some of my self-esteem issues um, that I had as a young person. And also I'm an artist, so I really love creating art all the time, everywhere. That includes in my clothing. And I started when I was a kid, I had millions of Barbies and I would spend hours Mm -hmm. just dressing and redressing them, which sounds like the most boring activity ever, I'm sure. But it was amazing to me. I would do their hair and have their accessories and it just made me feel really happy. So I do that with myself. I'm not a Barbie doll, but I do like dressing, accessorizing, and I even do it with my poems. The poems are in different forms. They are dressed for their particular occasion. They have whatever accessories are needed. They sound how they need to sound. No poem is the same. Yes, that's that's my little fashion spiel. Nice. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing that. How interesting you did you just bring that back because you had just said about your book, Reparations Now, that there is a there is a form for just about every kind of poem. I don't know if that's normal or if that's abnormal, but fascinating that you are able to write in all of these different sorts of forms of what we would know as poetry and prose so that you are getting your message to people in the way that's palatable to them. One thing that we Uh say often is you really have to create uh, content for your ideal person in the media they prefer while they're there. And Uh that's what it sounds to me like you're doing with this book is is people will, oh, that's the format I really like, or wow, even if it's a visual format, which is something that's always very fascinating to me about poetry, is how just changing spacing where the breaks are, it changes everything, and they're just words on a piece of paper. And and it's amazing to me that you have been given that gift, and thank you for sharing that gift with all of us today. We will make sure that we have all of your contact information. If somebody would like to engage with you, Ashley, what is the best? Is there a social media that you love more than others that if people want to connect with you, you should go there? Or what, 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 what do you got for me? It's interesting. I'm a high school teacher as well, so a lot of my stuff is private because you already know, you know, high schoolers are curious in ways that they don't need to be. Um, so, but people can follow me on Facebook. I do have a public profile on Facebook and you can also, you can follow me on Twitter, but I do have my Twitter locked because Twitter is a little bit scary, but you can follow me and I probably will let you follow me and I'll follow you back. You could follow me on Instagram if you would like. It would help if you sent a message to tell me who you are first. Cause again, I'm hiding out from students at every turn, or you can email me through my website. There's a contact page there. Got it. 
Well, Ashley M. Jones, Poet Laureate of Alabama, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you for sharing one of your poems. Thank you for being you and and bringing your voice out into the world, because as Oscar Wilde said, you might as well be yourself because everybody else is taken. And Uh I think you are the epitome of that. So uh, for those of you who have not subscribed to the show yet, make sure that you do. Uh, Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast. Make sure that you stay tuned and watch this, the times that we broadcast this, because you know what? Uh, We're trying to make it convenient for you to be able to meet Meg magnificent human beings like Ashley M. Jones. So for Ashley and all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Haller, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thank you for listening to Be Your Own Loud, where we reverse engineer success to help you accelerate your influence and break free from the torment of sales. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to our podcast, share with others in your company or profession, follow us on social media. This podcast is brought to you by Proudmouth, the Influence Accelerators. Visit us at Proudmouth.com and join our Influence Accelerator Academy for free to enhance your marketing mindset and know-how.